0: You're listening to In the Balance, an Iowa Judicial Branch podcast. Welcome back. This month, I spoke with Richard Gordon, Iowa's statewide treatment courts coordinator, about his role in the many specialty courts in our state. To learn more, keep listening. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, Richard. Before we dive into your current role at the judicial branch, tell us a bit about your path to where you are now.
1: So how I made it to Iowa was, um, I was originally from Indiana and my family got transferred to Florida, uh, but I always wanted to go back to the Midwest. And I went back to uh, the University of Louisville to go to law school. Uh, Thought I was gonna stay in the Midwest then, but ended up back in Florida. As I was working in Florida, I was uh, an assistant public defender, a law clerk, staff attorney, a prosecutor, then a public defender again, um, ended up working as the appellate attorney for the Jacksonville Public Defender's Office. And when I showed up for the first day of work, they said, oh, you're also assigned to drug court, and mental health court. You need to get over to court. And went over there, and that was the first time I'd worked in a, um, in a treatment court, It's vastly different than anything I've done before. Uh, Really enjoyed that work, and eventually I took over all the treatment courts in the circuit in in Northeast Florida, and I passed on the appellate duties to somebody else. Our Adult Drug Treatment Court and our Veterans Treatment Court were recognized as national model courts or training courts by the National Association of Drug Court Professionals, and after I'd done that for a while, I saw that the statewide coordinator position for the state of Maine was open. So I wanted to keep working with the treatment courts, and that was a way to work with treatment courts on a, on a larger scale. I was there for six years when I saw that this position was open, and it gave me a chance to come back to the Midwest where I wanted to end up. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad to be here at the Iowa Judicial Branch.
0: Great. And can you give us a brief overview of the types of specialty treatment courts that are utilized in Iowa?
1: So, sure. In the treatment court world, we're um, trying to get everyone to shift from using specialty court to just treatment court. Okay. Because when you get down to it, you know, all courts are specialty courts. Probate courts, juvenile courts, criminal courts, they all have separate rules and procedures. And by calling it treatment courts, that really identifies that the issue is to treat and that there's a requirement that there is something to treat, and the expectation is treatment, not punishment. And in Iowa, we have six types of treatment courts. The adult drug treatment courts, veterans treatment courts, mental health courts, OWI courts, juvenile drug treatment courts, and family treatment courts.
0: And what are the benefits for both participants and the judicial system of creating these treatment courts as opposed to maybe a more historical, traditional idea of the judicial system?
1: Treatment courts help participants, and we always call them participants. We don't call them defendants or clients or participants. It helps participants recover from substance use disorders or mental health disorders, and they prevent future criminal activity they reduce the burden and cost of people cycling through the judicial system. Uh, Treatment courts are designed for people who've come into the judicial system because of an underlying substance use disorder or mental health disorder. And they're also classified as high risk, high need. And the treatment courts get them into services to address those underlying conditions and also get them in touch with services to take care of other needs. Uh, high risk is a term of art within the treatment court world, and it refers to a risk of failing to succeed on your current level of supervision. It does not refer to a risk of public safety. Uh, high needs refers to a lack of social supports. So you're, you're looking for the person that is not going to succeed in a traditional model. Somebody that even if they're on probation, there's just not enough uh, supervision and intervention for them to remain out of the criminal justice system or the um, the family court system in the family treatment courts and by taking the high risk high need participants getting them connected to treatment for the underlying substance use disorder or mental health disorder and connecting them to services to address their other needs treatment courts help the participants enter into a life of recovery Uh, treatment courts that are run in accordance with the national best practice standards reduce recidivism by a greater percentage than any other judicial intervention. And while they may seem to be more expensive at the time of their operation because of the number of people involved, the, um, the Bureau of Justice Assistance Studies have shown that they save at least $5,680 per person over time through reduced crime, reduced substance use, and other societal impact costs such as medical costs or costs for supporting families in need. And since substance use disorder ends in one of three ways, recovery, prison, or death, treatment courts are a great option for people with substance use disorder that are in the judicial system. And participation in but not always successful completion of a treatment court is still an effective way to reduce recidivism. The studies have indicated that the reduction in recidivism and the cost savings, even for non-graduates, extends well beyond three years.
0: Wow. Very impressive. And now that we have a better understanding of the system, tell me a bit about your role in all of it.
1: Sure. I work with the treatment court teams to ensure that they have the resources they need to do their jobs and arrange for ongoing training uh, so the teams can keep up to date on the latest research and best practices, I also spend time working with regional and national organizations to arrange for those trainings, uh, which can be done either on-site, locally, um, at a different court, or virtually. Uh, I review the policy manuals, participant handbooks, forms, contracts, et cetera, uh, that are used in the courts to ensure that they comply with the law and best practices i um, also currently working with the Supreme Court to establish a statewide steering committee so we can get greater communication between the teams and uh, more consistent practices across the state.
0: And I know there is no such thing as a typical day, but if there was one, what would yours look like?
1: I guess most of the time I'm working in an office setting, answering questions from judges and other team members about issues within the courts or, as I mentioned, working on the documentation used in the courts, trying to update and standardize forms, uh, developing policies, and I I try to make sure that I attend or observe at least one court session per week.
0: Great. And do you have any stories or experiences from those court visits that have stayed with you over the years?
1: Yes. Um, The first time I heard about drug courts or treatment courts, I was working as a staff attorney in north central Florida in Lake City. And every once in a while, cupcakes would show up in this court administration area. You know, and I'd ask, why do we have cupcakes? And I'd be told that uh, we had a drug court graduation. And my initial response was, why are we giving felons cupcakes? <laughs> now, having worked in these treatment courts, I know why we're doing it because it changes behavior, it saves lives. Um, it, it's a really rewarding experience to work in these courts. And if you'd have told me when I was going to law school, I'd end up working with treatment courts, you would have want a lot of money because <laughs> there's no way I would have bet on that. Um, one particular graduation I remember from a veteran's treatment court was we had a, a veteran that had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and there was some question about whether we were going to take him into the court. And we did. And then when he graduated part of his graduation speech, you know, he was thanking everyone in the court and the judge. And he said that this court had really made a difference because for the first time since he'd gotten out of the military, when he woke up, he didn't wake up wanting to die.
0: Wow.
1: And you know, things like that just really stick with you. You know, hearing the stories of the graduates and how their lives have changed, it just really makes the, the work worthwhile.
0: Absolutely. And lastly, if you could leave our listeners with one message regarding Iowa's treatment courts and and maybe treatment courts on the whole, what would it be?
1: That treatment courts work, treatment courts save lives, save money, lower crime and reunite families.
0: Well said. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Richard.
1: Uh, You're very welcome.
0: You've been listening to In the Balance, an Iowa Judicial Branch podcast hosted and produced by Marissa Gall. If you would like more information about Iowa's courts, you can visit www.iowacourts.gov. You can also follow the Iowa Judicial Branch on Twitter and YouTube at Iowa Courts. This episode of In the Balance is now adjourned.